You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on in to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. And uh, the New York Yankees just keep doing the same stuff. They're just doing the same stuff over and over. It doesn't matter if they're facing the Oakland A's. It doesn't matter if they're facing the Seattle Mariners. It doesn't matter if they're facing the St. Louis Cardinals. They're going to scratch out a potential victory. They're going to lose a couple of the games. They're not going to win the series on the road, especially. And then the next series will begin. We'll say they got to win this series. And they won't. And they'll either lose that series or, or, I mean, there's no split upcoming in in Anaheim. But we'll see what, again, they got to win the Angel series. Will they? They got to win the Rays series. Will they? They had to win this A's series. Four games long, they won the first two. They found a way to not win this A's series. They never win in Oakland. They didn't win in Oakland this time either. And the starting pitchers they faced in the third and fourth games of this series both had six ERAs. You've never heard of the second guy. You'll never hear from him again. You've only heard of the first guy. Uh, and that's the guy with the third worst ERA in Major League Baseball with a six ERA. And, and his name is Adam Aller, and he shut the Yankees out through uh, eight innings, and they lost an extra innings. Uh, if you win the fourth game, that third one's just the dumbest game, like of all time. But of course, you, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna sweep the four gamer in Oakland. You're gonna win three out of four, and you're gonna hopefully win two out of three in Anaheim. But if you win the fourth one, that third one's just like, well, of course we lost that one, but we did it in the dumbest way possible. Since you lost the third and fourth one, now it's a problem. Now we can yell about it. Now we can say, don't split in Oakland. Don't split in Oakland. And Oakland randomly has beaten some good teams this year. You look at the Astros record against Oakland, it's like nine at six. Contenders have trouble with Oakland, and nobody else does. Doesn't make a lick of sense, but it is true. So silver lining, I guess. But at the same time, that's the worst split of the Yankee season, and it's not particularly close. Uh, Aaron Boone still can't figure out the lineup. Andrew Benintendi versus DJ LeMahieu in the leadoff spot. Where do you go? We'll talk about it. Plus, Domingo Herman, great outing in the third game of that series. Actually, not uncharacteristic, though. Is he good now? And do we replace Clark Schmidt with Luis Severino and keep Domingo Herman in the rotation? Do we? What do we do with Nestor Cortez? I mean, there's no way he gets to keep a rotation spot over Nestor Cortez, but also he's earned it. Tyone to the bullpen. I mean, what do we do? Thomas and I are going to have to talk about it because honestly, we're at like a month now of Domingo Herman being good. And then the Aaron Boone question. The Yankees are never going to fire him, but are there teams out there who would have done it already? Certainly. And we'll talk about them. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. Uh, even now, again, splitting. This team is average. All this team does is tread water. They did it again. The hallmark of the Aaron Boone era, water will be tread whenever water can be tread. This was another opportunity. Uh, they showed up for the first game of the series, eked out a win in the second one. Should have probably won an extra innings in the third, but also got one hit in 11 innings against the A's, so maybe shouldn't. And then flat out lost the fourth game, the, the dullest game of the year. It surpasses the finale at Fenway a couple weeks ago as the obvious most boring game of the season. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. It seems like we just have a team that's going to dance around for a few more weeks and maybe win the East by a couple games or maybe lose the East by a couple games. But even that five-game winning streak, 
they followed up with two uh, absolute stink bombs against two of the worst pitchers they'll face for the remainder of the season. Yeah, man, and Saturday was teed up. Astros lost, Jays lost, uh, Rays lost. So you're sitting there and you're like, okay, gain another game on all of them. And then lose tomorrow, who cares? And you go up 2 nothing in the top of the 10th. You think it's pretty much over because nobody's hitting in this game. Nobody's doing anything of note. Um, and then you have, like you said, the dumbest loss of all time. Um, Sunday, you'd think they come out with a little bit more fire. Look, I will say, not, I'm not defending their play on Sunday, but that he's played some fucking crazy defense yesterday. Um, and the turning point in this game for me was Rizzo tripping over first base in that uh, in the sixth inning. If he makes it to second, DJ has that weak grounder. It's 4-2. And then you have uh, um, who was coming to the plate after, who was hitting after DJ yesterday because DJ was fourth in the lineup or fifth. Oh, great question. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think it was Donaldson, wasn't yeah. it? But I'll look it up. But you'd come, yeah, you'd have another batter coming up with a runner in scoring position. Kind of changes the complexion of the game instead. Inning-ending double play because DJ rolls one over weekly to second base. Um, but yeah, it, it was Donaldson. Yeah, so uh, you know Donaldson hasn't been good, but I play my chances with Donaldson with a runner on second and four-two instead of getting kicked back into the dugout. Um, with Adrian no Martinez, Adrian Martinez yeah. and his six ERA. It's now down to 5.28. So congratulations to Adrian. That's a big one. But the Yankees didn't even threaten. They had runners on the corners yeah. in that inning down 4-1. Could have made something happen. Didn't other than that, nothing. One for four with risk. Like at least fail with risk against Adrian Martinez. Yeah. At least leave me going like one for 10. This is bullshit. One for four with risk against Adrian Martinez. Nobody got on base. Nobody got on base. And if they got on base, they didn't get to second. It was as boring an offensive effort as as you will ever see. Like, And there was Aaron Hicks in this game and Kyle Higashioka in this game. So you're tempted to say, well, those guys, we know. They're noted terrible hitters. They had two of the four hits and they produced the only run. So not their fault. (laughs) You're not going to get any better than two for five with a walk out of those guys. I promise you. So not their fault. No. Um, it's weird though, because not that I was sitting there, I was worrying about the Caprillion game. Cause I'm like, this is a perfect game that the Yankees lose once again, narrative game. And then they yeah. win that one 13, four, but you're sitting there. You're like guy, they traded guy. Who's about to kick their ass. It lines up perfectly. They end up whooping ass in that one. They beat, um, uh, they beat another former Yankee, um, in game two. Correct. Who was it? How am I uh, BJP Sears in game two? Yeah, BJP Sears in game two. <laughs> two former Yankees, they win those. And then how stupid were we, though? We know the Yankees are bad against pitchers they've never faced before. And I know that they've, I think they faced Caprillion once or twice, maybe. Never faced Sears before, but they kind of already had his profile. The last two guys in Martinez um, and Oler, uh, they they never seen them before. And have no probably had no little to no scouting report on them, and that's where the Yankees fail. They always fail with players on other teams making MLB debuts or players on other teams in their debut seasons. Um, and that narrative held strong. What were they? I think they were four for their last fifty-one or something at some point yesterday. It was it was something absolutely absurd. Because how do I analyze this? How do we sit here and analyze this? There's nothing to analyze. There is absolutely nothing to analyze. You watched a boring game of baseball. You watch Anthony Rizzo trip over first base. You watch Domingo Herman pitch really well. Um, and, you know, Clark Schmidt, we can have a conversation about him. I don't think he's a starter at the major league level. I don't know if people agree or disagree with me. Um, I just don't think he has the longevity. I don't think he has the necessary stuff to kind of command for that long. Um, and then you have to throw in the aspect the Yankees have jerked him around. One inning, you know, he was he was he wasn't strictly a one inning relief guy, but he was shorter relief the uh, in 2020. Then this year he comes in long relief. Then he goes back to the minors. He's a starter. Then he comes back to the MLB level. He's still long relief. Then we get an injury. Now he's in the rotation. So it's uh, it's certainly an indictment on the Yankees because they never put guys in a static role and say, hey, this is what you're going to do. They subject young players who are still trying to figure their way and understand how you know, their career is kind of going to unfold to these weird situations where they're asked to do so much and so often. And it's just like, why are you doing this to a guy who still has yet to even come close to catching on? Why are you doing this to a top prospect who needs to find his footing and be in a favorable situation? And it's weird because the Yankees do have a favorable situation to bring younger players in, right? The pitching staff is largely good. 
And the reason why it's not that good is because, or the reason why it's had those peaks and troughs so far was because of injuries and because of a couple of bad regressions. But like as a whole, it's a good pitching staff. I don't think most teams want to face the New York Yankees. Most opposing offenses aren't like, man, great. We get to face the Yankees this week. It's like, oh man, we have, you know, Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez and Frankie Montas, all solid starters. That's, that's not fun. And then you have a bullpen with a ton of guys who can give you length or just shut you down for one inning. So, and they have the bandwidth on the position side of things, which is why you're sitting there wondering, Hey, why did it take so long for Oswald Ocobrero to come up here? Why did it, why wasn't he with the team opening day? Why was Marwin Gonzalez, the other uh, utility option for you? And he's barely played over the last month and change. So, and why is he still here? Why exactly. He still here? Exactly. So look, there are, whether you talk about role fits, whether you talk about decision-making, front office judgment, um, I think it all kind of intersects and creates this, uh, all the problems that we've seen up until this point. Um, but discussion worth having because, I, you know, you have Clark Schmidt in Oakland. If he's moving into a starter's role, that's kind of the easiest start you can make as someone who's moving into a starter's role for the first time this year at the major league level. And he failed pretty badly. He gave up four runs on eight hits in like three and change. Really not a good start. Um, so I don't, and, and, and I just don't know if that's the long-term picture for him. He continues to get older. He's continuously not been used as a starter. So now is, is this the time to make the transition? I really don't think so. The bullpen still needs help. Just keep him there two to three inning outings. And that's the end of the story, but I'm not the manager. Sadly. I'm I'm not the manager either. He was quite bad yesterday. And bad. and you can't have uh like I guess I could have had higher expectations, but what are my higher expectations? Five innings, two earned runs, still gotta hit the fucking ball. JP Sears like, was better than him. Of course he was. JP Sears was uh that JP Sears game was a classic loss until Judge went deep. They they, they had a leadoff runner on third, they couldn't score. They had first and second one yeah. out double play. Like they were doing that all weekend long. They look good in one of these four games. You got to win. You got. Uh, I don't know. I, I I like. I roll my eyes at caring too much about a game that was just predetermined to be dumb. But you got to win the Saturday game. They had, they had one hit. They had one hit in eleven innings. They had no business being in that game, and the A's just let them back in anyway. Partially, in large part, due to the free Rob Manford runner. But they even got the free Rob Manford runner out because they tried to bunt him to third, and they whiffed, and the guy reached first, and so. <laughs> You're, you look up and in a blink, you, you basically, when you escape the ninth, you're like, we got a good chance at a free win here. We haven't been able to get a guy on base all day. Here's a free one. We have one hit. It was an Oswaldo Cabrera double two hours ago. This is like a, <laughs> not even two hours. I mean, it was like the quick, it was like a two hour, nine inning game. And we go to the 10th, you get a free guy on immediately. You blow it with the bunt, but then Base is loaded. AJ Puck can't find the plate. Uh, a wild pitch scores two runs. And so if the wild pitch scores one run, you're sort of like, all right, we get a chance to survive till the 11th. But then once it scores two, you're like, something catastrophic would have to happen for this dead A's offense to score two runs in the next inning. Even me, I don't usually let my guard down. I was like, well, I mean, that's probably over, right? And then I'm getting ready to talk about how like then we're doing this podcast today saying that Clark Schmidt had free reign to lose on on Sunday because you're probably not going to four game sweep Oakland and at least he soaked up some innings and it was a nice audition and you gained a game on the Rays and Jays anyway you would have gained two on the Jays one on the Rays and isn't that fine and dandy um and then of course Ron Marinaccio who people are like four for 51 against his changeup Stephen Vogt who I thought was good because he's given us fits in the past, but he's got like a 580 OPS this year. He's done. He's 37. He's a player coach. He goes deep lefty against Ron Marinaccio's changeup, which no one has done. At least they didn't get to two outs. And at least Wandy didn't blow the game the day before because Dermis Garcia knocked in a run in the ninth. Another former Yankee who got two hits off Clark Schmidt yesterday, who cut the deficit to 3 2 in the ninth before. Uh, he struck out, uh, uh, God, I don't even know, uh, some righty, and then the guy who looks like Noah Syndergaard, whose name I've heard, David McCavity. Like, there are the A's are so beyond anonymous. And I don't, I'm a huge baseball fan. I don't even think it's like, I don't think it's unfair for me to say the A's are just beyond anonymous, but they were sending up creative players late in Friday's game, and they were, you know, they, they managed to get the heart of the order up in the 11th. 
just eye roll. Like, does anybody else think Chad Pinder and Seth Brown and Steven Vogt kill them? Because I think they do. But does anybody else think that? The Yankees have made the A's and and the Reds look like machine offenses this season. Like, coming out of that Red series being like, Votto, man, he's still got it. No, he doesn't. He's hitting like 200 with a 250 on base this year. He's terrible with no power. But in that series, whenever he came up with guys on base, he's finding the gap and double. So, like, I think Nick Allen is good. I think Seth Brown is good. I think Steven Vogt still got it. None of those things are true. But that's what the Yankees do to these teams. There's not a single team in the league this year where I'm like, well, that's an easy one. And yeah. the Angels. The, the Angels have been the worst team in baseball for three months, basically. Just as bad as the A's. But they go into Toronto and sweep the Blue Jays this weekend, which was very helpful, but also now has me thinking, like, I don't want to face these people. They've shown Otani and Mike Trout. I also think Luis Renjifo is good because of how he plays against us. Spoiler alert. He's going to put up good at-bats. Yeah. That'll be great. I can't wait. Uh, but there's uh, Tyone and Coles in this series and Montas is in this series. And, like, Phil Nevin is the Angels manager and they've fallen apart at the seams. But are they going to battle us? Absolutely. Are they coming in at their highest point in the last two months after sweeping the Jays on the road? I would say so. Yeah. Really could he use three out of four this weekend. Just win that stupid Saturday game. So we can be on this podcast talking about how the Yankees didn't deserve to win three out of four. They probably should have split, but they did. And so they took care of business and it was ugly. And I'm not confident now and I'll never be confident again, but at least they banked the wins. I can't even talk about that. I have to talk about how this is a bad split because yeah. they blew a two nothing lead in extra innings. There was a stat that blew my mind this week that said uh, the Yankees have obviously the Rob Manfred rule is very responsible for this. Uh, And so, you know, this is a a tweet that like doesn't really line up with society just because, um, you know, this is the first time in a long time that there have been extra inning games that are this easy to lose multi-run leads in uh, because I guess the tweet's gone. There was a tweet that said that they've lost uh, multi-run leads in extra innings for the second time this year, which they hadn't done more than two times in the 30 years previously. I found that hard to believe just because it's, you know, it seems very possible to, to lose an extra inning game. Like, you know, two not, yeah. a two-run lead in extra innings is not that much. But obviously the Rob Manfred runner, it's so much easier to blow that because yeah. they have the most walk-off losses tied with yes. the Giants. They have nine walk-off losses this season. That's tied with the Giants for the most in Major League Baseball. Great. Uh, great. Like, it, they don't even have that. They have 50 losses and nine are walk-off losses. So one-fifth of the losses, like, <laughs> really hurt. Is 20, that good? 20%. That's insane. Uh, life could be worse. Look, you're talking about the Angels sweeping the Jays. That's devastating for the Blue Jays. Um, yeah. the, the Rays split with the Red Sox at Fenway that, and they no, lost Sox, uh, Sox took that series. Sox took two or three. No, I thought that was a four gamer. No, no. The, the Red Sox got swept by the Jays okay. in the least helpful series of all okay. time. Yeah. Thank okay. you to the Toronto Blue Jays who loaded the, the, the Red Sox loaded the bases in the bottom of the ninth against the Blue yeah. Jays in one of those games and went strikeout double playgrounder from Bobby Dahlbeck, Kike Hernandez. So that's a huge middle finger to you. Thanks for all your help. Uh, thanks for your service. But yeah, the Red Sox took the first two from the Rays before getting beaten up yesterday. Even, even better for my argument. Yeah. You know, life in the Rays lose the series in Fenway and the Red Sox are spy. They, they look like, honestly, they look like one of the three worst teams in baseball. Um, the White Sox drop that pop-up that would have, that would have swept the Orioles and then they lose that game. And then they got swept by the Diamondbacks at home. Um, the Astros lose a series to the Orioles at home. Uh, so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of other bad things going on around the league for teams that are in contention. Um, but for a team like the Yankees, and this is why it's a little bit different because the Yankees have already endured their abysmal stretch where it was unacceptable play for nearly two months. So you're sitting there wondering, okay, is, are we going to stop this? And you have this short reprieve from the Subway series where you're like, okay, maybe we'll stop this. And then you have two wins, straight wins against the A's. And you're like, okay, here we go. And we talked on the last podcast. We said, you know what? They should win six of seven to kind of get rid of this stink. But five of seven will do. And now they have to sweep the Angels to win five of seven. And that makes it a lot harder because 
sweeps are very difficult. Um, and the angels are now, now apparently have some somehow found a groove sweeping, the, sweeping the Jays. The only benefit here is that they have to travel across back across the country while the Yankees have been hanging out on the West coast. So maybe there is a positive uh, silver lining there. Cause um, there's like some sort of reverse effect where it should be the opposite. The Yankees should be traveling to the West coast. Hmm. The angels should be well rested. Instead it's, the Angels traveling from the the east side of Canada back home. Um, but yeah, it's frustrating. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, and then we have other questions uh, about the lineup. And we know that there is a caveat here. We're talking about DJ LeMahieu, Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi has hit leadoff, I think, nine times this season. It's been four or five times over the last week, maybe, if if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Um, he batted once leadoff in that series against the Royals. I think it was like some sort of troll job. He also did one game against the Red Sox, which I think was some sort of troll job at Fenway Park. And then a lot of it's come recent weeks. Um, now, his numbers are not bad in the leadoff spot, Benintendi's, this year with the Yankees. I think he's hitting 314 with like a 795 OPS or something. Totally fine. Um, but answer this question for me. Why do we think that this is worth anybody's time? And I just want to know. Because as far as I'm concerned, we've talked many podcasts. We've listened to many fans. Um, we've watched many games. The calculus the successful calculus of this lineup is DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton. It is an immovable f- top four unless there is an injury or unless somebody needs a day off or another unforeseen – someone goes on the bereavement list, someone goes on the COVID – like I, whatever it is, it's got to be something that is teed up and gives Aaron Boone an excuse to change the top four. So if anybody can explain to me – why we're making this change now, why DJ LeMahieu is being taken out of the leadoff spot, I would like to know. Because I'm not sitting here and saying DJ LeMahieu is unquestionably the team's leadoff hitter and there should never be a change there. But you're talking about Andrew Benintendi, who has, prior to his stretch with the Yankees, has only 77 games in the leadoff spot. We're talking about Andrew Benintendi, who has recreated and reinvented his entire hitter profile over the last two years. We're talking about Andrew Benintendi, who has been playing low-leverage baseball now for over three years. Why is this a guy you are going to potentially give five at-bats to per game? Why are you taking it at bat away from DJ LeMayhew, who is who, when not injured, is clearly a very productive player and draws a ton of walks, which is very valuable for the top spot? Um, and secondly, why doesn't this team understand the trade acquisitions they make? Dating back to Joey Gallo, 
Joey Gallo, people like Joey Gallo, people like Andrew Benintendi, um, these are luxury options to lengthen the lineup. They are not, they are not um, integral acquisitions to further magnify or star in the lineup. And that's where my problem is with this. If we're putting Benintendi in the leadoff spot because you want to give DJ LeMahieu one fewer at bat over the next few days because you're playing a bad team and you think he's injured, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We don't know that to be the case. And without knowing that to be the case, it now just looks weird that we're shifting around a bunch of guys in a lineup where it doesn't make sense, where you can use Benintendi's lefty bat later on in the lineup to switch things up and put another contact bat farther down to keep the rallies going and to keep the bats alive. There is no reason for him to be batting leadoff. He doesn't have, I don't think he has the um, ability to handle that having no experience. DJ LeMay was 500 games in the leadoff spot for his career. Clearly a guy built for the top of the lineup. Um, I just don't understand why, if you're talking about mixing up lefties, righties, this top of the lineup was righty until we acquired Anthony Rizzo. So it never really mattered. And then Rizzo did a perfect job of differentiating it and switching it up. Why do we need another one up there? Why are we taking it? Back? I, I just don't know. I don't know why this is happening. And this Builds up the frustration with Aaron Boone. It builds up the frustration with the lack of communication from the front office. Why am I still discussing this? <laughs> I don't know. And the only reason that I feel slightly differently than you is because I think LeMahieu is clearly hurt. Okay. Um, but that said, if LeMahieu is going to be slightly less productive here, he can't be batting fifth either anymore because he's drilling the ball on the ground in a 2021 throwback performance. So the less he has the opportunity to do that with men on base, the better. Like we need to wake LeMahieu back up. Part Mm -hmm. of the reason this offense was so effective in June and July. And yeah, part of July, the offense was still effective. Honestly, they were better in July and they were in May. Look up the numbers. It's kind of weird. The pitching carried the day in May, but if the team is going to get back to something resembling respectability, LeMahieu has to be, doesn't have to be the early 2022 guy, but he can't be the 2021 guy where he's limping around and his foot hurts and he can't get full extension for whatever reason. He's planting wrong and he's hitting dribblers or he's striking out or he's popping out or he's late on everything. Cause right now he looks like he's valiantly trying to play through injury for a team that has a seven and a half game lead in the East, because that's a large enough lead that you don't need to play every day as if it, as if there's no tomorrow, but and you start playing every day like there's a tomorrow and you start losing more than you're winning and you start uh, spiraling. And, and it's been now all these stats like since June 19th, they're a 500 team since, you know, early July, they're way below 500 team. It's September in three days. So it's no longer like, man, the last month has been kind of bad. It's like half of this five month season has now been kind of bad. Yeah. So this is a team that has been half bad trying to survive and hold on to the playoffs and hoping that the may and june version of themselves shows up in october rather than the july and august one pretty annoying because right now there's really nothing left for the yankees other than just hoping things turn around and part of that hope is hoping lemayhu looks more like the first half version of himself and can get healthy now they're missing matt carpenter they're missing uh they were missing Anthony Rizzo and Giancarlo Stanton. They're missing uh, a version of Aaron Hicks that makes any sense. They're not calling up Oswald Peraza, so they can't sacrifice any offense. They can't put LeMahieu on the IL for 10 days and say, we're giving you this period of rest, unless they want to call up Peraza, but they never do, and they never do that. So let's stop pretending like they're going to do that, even though that would be maybe a nice thing to do. If you're going to leave Ben and Teddy lead off, you'd call up, Peraza bat him eighth back Cabrera six have yourself a fun time they don't seem like they're going to do that and they seem like they'd rather have Benintendi first LeMayhu fourth fifth sixth but if LeMayhu's hurt LeMayhu's going to keep grinding into double plays it might be prudent to lead him off so he can do less damage Uh, now in terms of other spots we didn't expect to be juggling at this point in time why is Domingo Herman good now he he like he is he's he's good his like his expected era isn't quite what his real era is performatively and and like obviously he induces a lot of contact not a swing and miss guy but he was like throwing a maddox against the a's the other day and he was great in st louis where no one else has been great 
He's facing mostly playoff teams. He held the Mariners in check in an early season win, in early August win. Uh, he's his one bad start was three earned in four and two thirds against the Rays this month. He was good against the Mets the other day in the Subway Series. Dominant against the A's. Competent against the Red Sox in a game they maybe should have won. Uh, or no, yeah, they they blew that one late. Competent against the Cardinals in a game they lost one nothing and only allowed one earned run. And he beat the Mariners in another one of his brust. Uh, shake off starts 2.08 ERA in August, 0.95 whip, 34 and two thirds innings pitch, just eight earned runs, six walks in there, 22 strikeouts. He doesn't miss bats. It's weird, but he's surviving like Johnny Cueto, who's been doing the same thing, who's been pitching to contact, has one of the lowest strikeout rates in the league and one of the highest contact rates, should be getting whipped, isn't, is specifically going out there saying, let's get balls hit at fielders. We're not wasting pitches on 02. We're either throwing these nasty chase curveballs or we're inducing contact and it's working. So what do we do with this person? Classic Yankees. Team overall underperforming and then you have a guy who you don't really need to perform well and had no use for him and thought he shouldn't be on the team for years now kind of doing really well and making a roster possibly make creating a roster question you never really wanted to have you know you never wanted to think oh can we slot Domingo Herman in on the postseason roster how can we figure this out let's make this a reality not what you wanted at all but you know this is this is Yankees baseball and this is kind of how the way that they've conditioned us to think doesn't surprise me at all you know Domingo Herman has always been solid. If given the opportunity, he could be above average. Um, and the Yankees have continually laid the red carpet out for him, have given him opportunity after opportunity. And now he's showing that he can actually do something. Um, now, that said, does anyone want this guy in a postseason rotation? Does anyone want this guy in the postseason bullpen outside of coming in and blowout wins or blowout losses? I really don't think so. Um, but now you have an issue with Clark Schmidt, kind of like what we talked about before. Guy who never really did much of anything at the MLB level in terms of starters workload is now asking is now being asked to start because you decided to trade away Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery starts one of these games. And if Jordan Montgomery starts yesterday in Oakland, it's a different story. It, it, it just simply is. Um, or if Domingo Herman starts uh, yesterday and Jordan Montgomery started on Saturday, which is actually how things went down because Monty actually started on Saturday against the Braves for the Cardinals would have been a different story. Um, I don't know what to do with Domingo Herman. I really have no answers here. It's it's frustrating that it's gotten to this point um, because, like you said, he doesn't miss a ton of bats. I don't really like that for a starting pitcher, especially one that you're trying, you know, you're kind of relying on to give you quality outings. Um, and another layer to this is Zach Britton on the men making his return. That's another arm that doesn't miss bats and relies on ground balls to get his outs. Don't like it. Don't like it at all. Um, lost a couple of very valuable bullpen pieces. Or all this Chapman gets a leg infection from a tattoo. Um, Loser. Hasn't, yeah, hasn't been valuable for two years. But you know, people were hoping he would get back on track. We never thought he would get back on track. We were right. Um, Jonathan the Wise guys disappeared. I wouldn't expect any meaningful innings out of him. Um, so now the way that this is all shifted is upsetting. And I, you know, Domingo Herman, yes, remains in the rotation for the remainder of the year. There's not really another option. Um, like I said earlier, I would love if Clark Schmidt was just relegated back to multi-inning bullpen duty. Um, I think that that's what suits him best. Um, and that's no knock on Clark Schmidt. It's, uh, it's more so a knock on the Yankees' developmental system um, and how they kind of brought him up. Um and his stuff just plays, I think, better in shorter outings when he's not worried about having to preserve himself and locate as efficiently and as often as he does in a starters in in, in a in a starting uh, role. I think he just comes in for two three innings as a reliever. He can let it fly. Um, you see the movement on his stuff. He's largely unconcerned. Um, I think for a st- getting switched back to a starter workload, you have to change your mentality, how you approach each batter, how you approach each inning. Um, and I think that's a lot to weigh on a young guy, um, especially one who's still, lo- once again, looking to catch on at the MLB level. Um, but yeah, this rotation will have Domingo Herman in it when Luis Severino comes back. Um, and then the Yankees will be holding their breaths to have a starting rotation in the playoffs of Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Frankie Montas, and Luis Severino. Um, and I don't know if I would be shocked if that actually happens, but I will be surprised in some capacity if they can last 
have that be their rotation, and they could still get through this regular season. What are there, 33 games left or something like that? Yankees probably 34. Have, 34, the Yankees have to win what? 17 of those? Uh, they have to win 17 to get to 95 wins. Uh, to get to 100 wins, they got to go 22 and 12. That's, That's not, not going to happen. Remember when 100 wins felt so easy? It's not going to happen. Um, someone in the comments telling me there's only 33 games left. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. The 78 <laughs> plus 50 is 128. The season is 162 games long. 162 minus 128 is 34. I don't really want to keep typing. I want to stop typing now. But they, they have they have the chance to reach 95 wins relatively easily. They have the chance to reach 97 wins relatively easily. It wouldn't it wouldn't take much effort to get to a place where you're basically clinching it. The Rays, in order to get 95 wins, have to go uh, 25 and 10. That's really hard. The Rays have not really increased their output of victory. This whole time, they just keep taking advantage of the Yankees being 7-17 and 17 over extended stretches. The, the Rays have been winning at a 550 pace all year long. The Yankees have been horrific lately. Like, that's why the Rays are gaining games. The Rays have gained 7.5 games or 8 games in the last month because the Yankees have been 10-17. and 17. If the Yankees could play at a 550 pace, which is competent but not exceptional, they would be exactly where they need to be. They would get to the finish line. I think 95 wins is a fine place for the New York Yankees to be. They just ripped off a five-game winning streak, right? They could easily do that again. Uh, their schedule down the stretch is, you know, every series is hard. They make the A's and the Reds look like machines. But it's not like they have six games left with the Rays. They have three games left with Toronto. They have six games left with Boston, four of which are in New York. Uh, so... I'm sort of done being rational about this team because, uh, you know, you got people in the comments saying they suck. They're the worst. They'll never win again. And I understand why you feel that way. I completely understand why you feel that way because every time they start getting momentum, they show you stinkers like they did in Oakland and they can't hit Adam Aller, et cetera. I, I would never tell a Yankee fan right now to say, I would never be the one to say, calm down. Look at the numbers. Look at the math. Like there's a reason you want to be reactionary about this team. That said, they did beat, Alec Manoa, they beat Max Scherzer, they beat Taiwan Walker this week. They went on a five-game winning streak before going on a two-game losing streak. They went five and two this week. And it's a week no one was satisfied with. But you go five and two this week, and five and two the next week after that, you're at 88 wins already. And you, you've pretty much accomplished, you, really, you can really limp to the finish line in that instance. But again, if you want to say after the Yankees baseball, you watched in Oakland this weekend against Adrian Martinez and Adam Aller, if you want to tell me they stink and you want to tell me they are low IQ and you want to tell me they don't have fundamental baseball, you want to tell me they're too home run reliant. I can't really argue against you there. They had one hit in 17 innings against the drags of the A's pitching staff. I can't really tell you that they're perfect. You know, I can't tell you, I can't tell you to look at logic. So with Domingo Herman, I want to say, Get him out. When Severino's ready, get him out of there. Uh, you know, when Nestor Cortez, his injury's not major, bring him back. Nestor, Sevi, we love it. Montas, uh, you know, that's what uh, that's what logic would dictate. But Domingo Herman is throwing the ball way too well right now to just take out of the rotation. And better than Tyone. I think Tyone might get relegated to a – that's why I said before I didn't mention his name, but I think Tyone maybe gets relegated to a bullpen spot before the year's over. Yeah. He, do, he doesn't – I mean, if you're, if you're putting out a rotation based on who's hottest – Mm-hmm. Schmidt Schmidt's first gone and Tyone is second gone when you welcome Severino and Nestor back. Now, maybe all this Herman thing does is lengthen Nestor's IL stint, which he was giggling at the camera saying, Oh yeah, I felt good. I hurt myself really early in the game where I was dominant. So yeah, I don't know. Like they're clearly trying to mess with his innings limits. Maybe if Herman keeps doing the damn thing, you leave Nestor on the shelf. It's a dangerous game, and it's one the Yankees continue playing where they say they didn't care about yesterday's game. They want to see what Clark Schmidt could do. They they wanted to get Aaron Hicks a game. They didn't care about Sunday in Oakland because they either had a seven and a half or an eight and a half game lead. So they're like, eh, you know, be great to win. Ah, we didn't. Oh well. Like today's game against Anaheim, they're nine up on Toronto right now. They're seven and a half up on Tampa. Tampa doesn't play today. So the Yankees are going to have to find some motivation. You want to push that up to eight, but I guarantee you 
they're up seven at the end of the day instead of seven and a half. Are they, you know, are they panicking? No, they're not. That's the no. problem with this team's attitude. Yeah. If they lose today's game and they lose a half game off that lead, they're going to go, we still have to win in Tampa next week, don't we? So we lost a half game. All right, we got two more chances to get things right. That's not what World Series champions do, but that's what the Yankees have done the past couple of years. So don't blame me. That's what they do again. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And speaking of boonian outcomes, should the Yankees have fired Aaron Boone to spark this roster? Uh, I, I can't say that they should or they shouldn't have. I'm not ready to say, I wish we just fired Aaron Boone in the middle of August. If that Toronto series where they come in and take the first three and we miraculously win the last one, why don't we just can him after the first two? Or why don't we can him after the first two games uh, in the you know Tampa series where they score one run on a McGill and Duhar dribbler to third? There were some opportunities where they could have said, we need a new voice in this locker room. The hit strikes hard isn't working anymore. Whatever Aaron Boone's doing to try to keep everybody calm is not working anymore. The punching the table isn't enough. We'll dismiss Aaron Boone. I'm not saying that's the right or wrong decision to get rid of Aaron Boone to spark one of these, you know, midseason comebacks. But there are some other teams in Major League Baseball that would have done it. That's what I assure you. There are some specific Major League Baseball teams for right or wrong who would have fired Aaron Boone in the middle of that August stretch. Cautionary tales, the Angels and the Padres inspiring tales the philadelphia phillies who absolutely would have fired aaron boone basically did fire aaron boone in may their equivalent of aaron boone as june began and they installed an ex-yankee bench coach as their manager and they are now dominating they fired their struggling manager went internal because they were sick of complacency went internal didn't even go outside the organization didn't in invite in some brilliant mind from the depths of the pirates farm system to manage the team just elevated a, a guy on the staff who immediately turned things around. Is that all the Yankees need? It's possible. Of course it's possible. And that's why everyone wanted this to kind of, or not everybody, most people wanted this to be a natural parting of the ways after 2021. You couldn't have had a worse season for a contending team than 2021 for the expectations, for the actual talent on the roster. And there's an argument to be had about all of this. Um, is the manager truly the problem or is it the front office? I think it's a combination of both. I think the front office is terrible. I think the front office doesn't have a pulse on anything. I think their instincts are bad. And then I think the manager, in this case, Aaron Boone, whether he's given the proper resources or not, does not maximize the efficiency and the potential that he can get out of those resources. Um, and you would think um, the leash might be shorter in New York, but they, they, they haven't, you know, ever since I guess Joe Torrey, they kind of changed how they handle manager duties. Joe Girardi was there for what? 10 years, 12, 11 years, 96 to 2000, end of 2007. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Torrey was there 96 end of 2007. Torrey was there, uh, not, uh, Girardi was there 2008 to end of 2017. So yep. you're looking at. You're looking at decade, a decade of a manager. Brian Cashman said before, you know, when well, before last season ended, we like to have Aaron Boone here for a decade. I look once again, I don't know why. I don't know what the other problem is with this locker room. I don't know why this team constantly fumbles momentum. Um, unlike any other, too. Once again, I watch baseball, guys. I got MLB I TV. Watch, I watch baseball. Yeah, I do. Watch I, baseball. I enjoy a lot of the other games that such a good the, sport. Yeah, that the platform has to offer. I enjoy watching other teams. I enjoy having fun. Watching baseball is fun. However, I don't see any other team fumble momentum as spectacularly as the New York Yankees do. 
And when you have that argument, you could blame it on the players, which is what Hal Steinberger did last year. The players on the field have to perform. Yes, sir, they do. They absolutely yes. do. That is the main that is the main driver of how things go. However, there is a manager in tow to keep guys in check, to let players, you know, express their own personalities, to motivate certain guys who might need motivation, to put other guys in certain spots to succeed that don't necessarily have that laid out in front of them. Because that's what ma- managing is. Managing is putting different puzzle pieces together. It's getting in the right player's ear. It's you know, it's sitting a guy on the right day. And it seems like the Yankees sit guys on all the wrong days. They do all these weird lineup changes that don't seem to make sense. They have talented guys on the roster who should be performing better, and they're not. Um, we could also talk about how injury issues have rocked this roster, and that's a problem too. But guess what? Every team deals with injuries. So that argument runs out after a certain amount of time, right? Look at the Rays. The Rays have the third best record in the American League. They've dealt with more injuries than maybe anybody this year. I wouldn't quote me on that, but you look at all the players that they have come in and out. Wander Franco's missed a lot of this year. They've had their pitching staff pretty much decimated for a good portion of the season. Um, And they're still at 70 wins. They're eight games. they're, They're seven and a half games worse than the Yankees, who once again, got off to a 51 and 19 start, um, 52 and 18, whatever it was. Um, so 63 and 20, 61 and 23. That was fun. It was nice to be there. So, and look, we could talk about how the front office kind of, um, uh, undermines the manager. You trade an asset at the deadline that kind of deflates the clubhouse. You, you make another, you know, last year you make other trades, which are end up being fine. Yes. But you know, the, you were advised against acquiring a Joey Gallo who brought a lot more bad to the locker room than good when it came to the media. What does the New York media want to do? They want to magnify the story of the guy getting booed by the home crowd. Cause he struck out 15 times in a row and can't hit center cut fastballs anymore. Um, Yankees were advised against that per reports from other people in the front office. Head, head honcho decision makers in the front office decide to overrule that. So, yes, Aaron Boone at times has been given the incorrect resources. And what do you do with the Joey Gallo? Put him all over the lineup, put him all over the field. There's no solution for him. He has to go. Aaron, that's not Aaron Boone's fault. However, you know, other things might be Aaron Boone's fault. And that might come down to motivating the right guys or, you know, getting calling on the right bullpen names or whatever it is. I have nothing – concrete right here to reference um, because we don't have an answer on the DJ LeMahieu, Andrew Benintendi thing. Um, we can't really point to many games. Aaron Boone has lost himself this year, right? Maybe one or two. It's all the intangible stuff yeah. and the bullpen management stuff, which like it, it, almost every time the Yankees lose a late inning game, you can point to some Aaron Boone thing and be like, I don't know. Like he, he does manage the bullpen a lot in a way that just sort of assumes that whatever cog he throws in there is going to do the job. Yeah. And like, it's easy to trip into that of the game. They almost blew on Friday. He brought in Wandy Peralta with a two run lead to face a lane of lefties, but then he didn't face a single lefty. They pinch hit for all the lefties. He uh, faced five batters, none of whom were lefties and retired three of them and won the game. But that was definitely a game where I said to myself afterwards, like Aaron Boone just assumed the game was over. He was like, the A's aren't good. They are not going to come back. I'm short on bullpen arms. They're not going to come back against whoever I bring in here. So we can just be Wandy Peralta. And then he was proven right. Things got dicey. He gave up a one-out double and a ribby single and then retired the last two batters. But that was very clearly Aaron Boone tripping into like fan mode, being like, this game's over. I mean, the A's aren't going to come back from two runs down against whoever I have out here. Peralta, Trevino, who cares? Let's bring in Peralta. Oh, wait, here are a bunch of righties. Crap, I forgot about that. Oh, well, um, oof, he did it anyway. Like, you do feel Boone doing that a lot. And guess what? You know what backs that notion up? The fact that they have the most walk-off losses in baseball. I wouldn't call Gabe Kapler a bad manager, and I wouldn't say that the Giants, uh, you know, management is more at fault there than the people who constructed the Giants' bullpen. But it is true that the Yankees get into a lot of late and close games, they won almost all of them in the first half. They've lost almost all of them in the second half, and they lead the league in walk-off losses. So I think 
the the boon the anti like you you can't really make the case that this stupid offense would be performing better with someone other than Aaron yeah. Boone at the helm and that Aaron Boone being fired would solve the Matt Carpenter injury issue and the Giancarlo Stanton injury issue that pervaded the last month that's a ridiculous assumption it's just the intangible benefit we don't know what bump they would get after Boone so we're left speculating saying the Angels tried it with Phil Nevin it didn't work the Padres tried it this offseason firing Jace Tingler hiring Bob Melvin didn't work and the Padres case is insane and they went for it at the deadline and that didn't work either so that franchise is just cursed they're doing everything you guys want the Yankees to do and it's Mm -hmm. not working but it worked in Philly. So you do find yourself asking without any proof. And we, we haven't seen Boone get fired and we're not going to the Philly thing makes you go, would the intangible benefit be worth it? And Philly specifically, Rob Thompson is trusting the kids. That's what Bryce Harper said after their win on Friday night. That's what Bryce Harper said back in June when Bryson Stott, the shortstop won a big game with a Homer. He said, we've got a manager who trusts these kids in place. So if you find the right guy and you find somebody who fosters the roster, uh, you know, bringing up these young players and emphasizing them like the Yankees have done in recent years, they did it in 2018 with Glaber and, you know, Miguel and They did it this year way too late with Oswaldo Cabrera. If you find the right internal managerial candidate, who's like, we're bringing up Peraza and we're doing it now. And we're, we're even bringing up Volpe. We're doing a double dose. Glaber has to rot on the bench for a month then sure, maybe things could turn around. But the front office determines all of that. So I don't think you're going to suddenly change Brian Cashman's mind. If, if he's firing Aaron Boone to promote a, a manager who's basically the status quo, I don't think yeah. you're also changing his mind to say, and by the way, let's call up all the prospects now. So it's wishful thinking. It's fanciful because of this one uh, you know, example in Philadelphia where it actually worked. But at the well, same Toronto. time... Sure. I mean, did Charlie get much better after firing Charlie Montoya, though? No. I mean, I think it empowered some of the players more. Um, I think they have their own issues, Toronto. Um, but they, I think they overachieved last year, and they're, you know, they they got a little cocky. So I don't know if that had anything to do with Montoya. But the players like Schneider better, or whatever his name is, Schneider, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever his name is. I think they like him better, you know, based on what they've said about him after – after uh you know in in the month since montoyo's been fired um so i don't know if that's completely changed the outlook but up until that angel sweep they were playing pretty they were playing markedly better like it was noticeably better so i don't know it obviously wasn't a turn it wasn't a uh, rob thompson turnaround um like we've seen in philly but there's another example of a contender being like hey you know what we have the pieces to do it and we think that this one piece is not helping us so we're just gonna we're gonna be done with it and too often the Yankees just don't forget about it just being a manager. The Yankees hardly even do that with players. The Yankees will sit and watch players regress and regress and regress. The Mets will cut a guy like Robinson Cano. The Yankees will not cut a guy like Aaron Hicks. Um, the, the examples, you know, it, it goes on. The list goes, goes on and on. When the Mets are doing that and throwing money into the garbage bin um, and the Yankees are hoping that every last penny of one of the dumbest extensions they signed a player to shows – a smidge of value to validate their decision or to just say, Hey, we got to squeeze as much as we can get out of this player as we can. Then, you know, the, the, you know that there's something off in terms of decision-making and the instincts um, because if other teams are doing, making moves of the mag, that magnitude and the Yankees are being hesitant, then you're lost. I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm always lost. Uh, the, the comment section is getting off the rails. That's what happens when the Yankees lose two games to Oakland. Like the Yankee fandom is unlike any other fandom in the world. And and I'll acknowledge this. Like there are all sorts of annoying fans across the world. And I'm one of them. I, I, I judge every Yankee game. Like it's the end of the world. I do. I, I promise you. And the Yankees always have guys floating in and out of injury concerns, end of the world type losses that end up not being the end of the world. Cause the baseball season is extremely long. It's hard to keep that perspective especially when we're going without a title since 09. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm a Yankee fan too. We've got Red Sox fans who think they're the center of the universe, even though they could not be more relevant for the majority of the season. We got Yankee fans who treat every game like life and death. We got Dodger fans who act like nothing good has ever happened to them, even though they went 110 games every year and won the World Series two years ago. Every fandom has these quirks. And then the rest of baseball is like just fatalistic no matter what. Everybody is fatalistic. Blue Jays fans who like, 
the Blue Jays before this Angel series were on the verge of taking us down. They were like six out if they just won that last game of our four game set and then they lost it. Now all of a sudden it's like no good things ever for Toronto. Bill Simmons on Twitter is a Patriots fan. Why don't the Patriots ever have nice things? This is how every fandom thinks. Every fandom thinks they're the worst. I guarantee you Astros fans right now think we don't got it this year. We're struggling. This is nothing like the 2021 team. Need reinforcements now. They just lost two out of three to the Orioles. I guarantee there are people in Houston being like, I've seen the Astros make the World Series. This ain't them. Like, uh, that. those people are all around the world. Uh, but again, I can't tell you to be happy with the Yankees. I can't tell you, yeah. like, you should be psyched that they just split a four-game series in Oakland. You shouldn't be psyched. They lost a two. They're, they're not going to face two worse pitchers than those guys for the rest of the season. Nope. Those pitchers are terrible. But they also beat Max Scherzer and Alec Manoa earlier this week. So I can't in good conscience saying they'll, I can't look at you and say they're never going to beat a good pitcher again, or they're not going to put together another four game winning streak. I can't say that to you either. I'm not a big believer right now. The odds are in their favor that they'll get to the playoffs. However, what does that mean? This was supposed to be a special season and it's not unless something major changes over the next month. Otherwise it looks like the status quo from the last couple of years. It looks like limp towards the playoffs, probably win the East, maybe not. And then, probably get past the first round probably lose the alcs to the astros or blue jays depends on the seating i don't really know what to, i don't know what else to tell you folks they're going to need to there's going to be need to be a major change in the next month for me to change that assessment that said look what they did earlier this week they can easily do that again they just did yeah i just wish i was having fun still i don't know i'm having no fun i'm having no fun at all or when i finally think i'm starting to have fun you know the, the party gets shut down. Someone starts puking and we got to send mm-hmm. everybody home. The cops come like, why, why can't I just have sustained fun for longer than a week? This strategy is not going to help anybody else, but a, a lot of it melted off me. Once I realized that game seven of the world series was on my wedding. Cause it's like, even if they make game seven of the world series, I'm still going to be miserable. So <laughs> I might as well just let the results come where they may. There's, there's no hope for me. There's no hope for me till next year when the Aaron judge list Yankees will take on the Aaron judge full San Francisco giants on opening day in the Bronx. That'll be great. <laughs> That's it for this week's uh, Monday edition of the Inks go yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. We seriously will be. Uh, you can find us live on YouTube two o'clock Eastern time, Mondays and Thursdays every week. Hopefully, Uh, This doesn't devolve into quite such a depressing conversation. Next time we talk, hopefully we'll be able to talk about the finer points of the Angel series instead of just saying, why didn't the Yankees get one hit off the two worst pitchers they'll face for the remainder of the year in the two final games of the Oakland series? It was really bad, folks. It was really bad. The September schedule includes a bunch of solid teams, a bunch of Red Sox games on home turf in New York, some Twins games. We like to face the Twins. Although this year we don't like to face anybody. The Yankees have the worst record they have against any team in Oakland. That's also important. Like that doesn't change just because the A's are bad now. The A's are bad now. But the Yankees never win in Oakland because you know why? Because the stadium is big and, and they lose like six or seven home runs every time they go out there. They're 14 and 25 at the Coliseum since 2012. That's transcended like five different A's roster reloads. They're just not good there. And after the first game, I was like, maybe they'll be good there this year. And then the second game, I was like, well, that was disappointing, but they won. And then, then the last two was like, nope, not even close. Bad. Again. Yep. See what they have in store for us in Anaheim. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerib. That is my name. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, send me a message. I pulled something in my neck this morning, so I'm kind of pissed. Yeah, so you can get a, about that. You can get a rise out of me this, the, today if you want. Um, before I give you my spiel uh, about where to find us, what to do, how to talk to us, um, the Yankees have reinstated Clay Holmes from the injured list. He's back today. Marvin Gonzalez is on the paternity list. Tim LaCastro is back from AAA Scranton. Um, will this change anything? Most likely not. Clay Holmes is going to need some time to kind of get back up to speed. Tim LaCastro doesn't really offer much. Marvin Gonzalez still shouldn't be here. So whether maybe he's, he's on maybe the- he's having a month long baby. We just don't know. <laughs> whether Marvin Gonzalez is on the roster or not, no difference. No difference is made, folks. It just matters what addition is being made in his uh, absence, and this is not a significant one. Um, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Could read about all these topics. 
greater depth. We write about it. Bylines are there. You can message us. Uh, talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Plenty of discourse there. Talking with fans. Want to hear what you have to say. Maybe you want to turn some of your ideas into articles, content. That's how we have fun. Um, otherwise, West Coast trip finishing up now. We've got a couple, three more late nights of the Yankees playing the Angels before heading over to Tampa. Um, I'm going to send this team every ounce of good vibes that I possess. Um, but we're going to need more help than that because I don't have much left in me. I'm bored. I'm uninspired. I'm now kind of deflated after everything that I've watched. I watched Saturday night and Sunday. Why? I don't know. I knew Sunday was going to be a loss too because they had the 2002 Moneyball team there. Yeah. They just they, you just knew that was a day that the Yankees weren't going to win. And everybody schedules their ceremonies. Them. Everybody schedules their ceremonies against yeah. us. Remember Pedroia Day where Jacoby Ellsbury showed up in, in center field. Like we, we're going to lose. You have to bake into your Yankees schedule predictions that there's going to be five or six ceremonies in there that we're just going to lose. <laughs> the Mets did a uh, Tom Seaver Day. We got walked off two yep. years ago. Like that's just that's a thing that happens every single fucking year and it's going to happen again next year you wonder though because the aren't the yankees good for the local economy like aren't people going to those games anyway anyway so why, yeah. would you schedule, why would you schedule your like emotional number retirements i can't lose any more games where uh some 80 year old from the san diego padres steps to the mic and talks about how in his dying breath he'd like to the padres win this specific game and then it's like well life's first pitch baseball like i'm so done with that <laughs> So, like, maybe teams just get it through their head. Maybe you schedule those for the uh, the terrible opponents or, like, your division rivals instead of saying, like, oh, Moneyball weekend should be against the Yankees who, like, kept ending that team's playoff runs. Like, the last time we were good in Oakland was during the Moneyball era. I watched that captain oh. episode yesterday. Yeah, that was great. Jeter's Yankees uh, own the A's. Yep. Uh, the current ones don't. Um, and so, you know, is this real determinative of the Yankees' fate? I'm not ready to say that. I'm just ready to say, felt like we were going to pick up three nice wins this weekend. We got two. That's one less than we needed. And we're still seven and a half games up. How about we win today's baseball game? That seems like an easy enough ask. Might be helpful. Um, unless the Angels are retiring Artie Moreno on the field before the game. (laughs) Or trading Shohei Otani right before the game for extra motivation. The Ewing theory is back. I don't know. Uh, But we'll see you on Thursday, which is a Yankees off day. Full recap of the Angels series. And we'll know much more about this team's fate heading into a big weekend series in Tampa that I do not want to watch one second. But I guess I will. Until then, stay happy.